the first edition of our fall candidate forum series. So we're very excited here today on this Monday to talk to four candidates running for statewide judicial offices. Again, the first of a six-part series that we're beginning this week. For the next six power hours, we will be having candidate forums with candidates running from offices ranging from Pennsylvania Supreme Court all the way to District Magistrate, City Council, and Mayor of Pittsburgh coming up. Uh, Miracle, you have anything you want to say before we kick off our series? Yes, just a few reminders for folks. There is actually an election this year in November. And so we just want to remind you of a couple of things before we get started. First of all, you have until October 18th to submit your vote by, excuse me, I apologize, to actually register to vote in the election for November 2nd. You have until October 26th to submit your applications for your vote by mail. We also want to remind you that if you have changed your name, if you have moved, if you have switched party, even if you have registered as a third party, you still must go back and up date your voter registration information mm. to make sure what is you, your correct information, what the vote spot I would like to call is correct, because we do not want there to be any trouble when you go to vote on election day or when you go to make your ballot. You have to be living in the district that you're voting in. If that's when you are registered, you only have one, one chance to vote if you just moved um, and you haven't had a chance to uh, date your voting information. So please want to make sure you go ahead and do that. Also, if you receive a, a ballot in the mail, you must fill it out and return it or surrender it to your local Board of Elections office. If not, you can only vote provision on election day. So do not throw away the ballots that come in the mail. You must fill them out and return them or take them with you when you go to vote at your precinct on election day. We are very excited and honored to have this judicial forum. As a reminder, candidates for judicial office are not permitted to answer questions that are deemed or deemed to impact future rulings. So we cannot ask a candidate, would they be this way if they are ruling on a decision? Would they say Thing. We could talk about philosophy. We could talk about how they interpret the law. We can have those conversations. So this judicial forum will be a little bit different than the forums we'll have over the next five series because we'll be talking more about politics and things that people can vote on or positions that people can take. Here, we're learning more about the candidates themselves, what, why they're running, what their experience and expertise are, and what we can look forward to see if they win their election on November 2nd. And with that, I'll turn it back over to my close card. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Miracle. I'm just going to give a quick abridged uh, Reader's Digest version of the offices that we're going to hear about. We're going to hear from a candidate from the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, candidate for Pennsylvania Superior, as well as two candidates for Pennsylvania Commonwealth Court. And just to give you a quick rundown of what the Pennsylvania Supreme Court is, it is known to be the oldest appellate court in the United States. It hears appeals from the Pennsylvania Superior Court, Commonwealth 
Commonwealth Court. It also can hear direct appeals from the Court of Common Pleas at the county level. And the court can assume jurisdiction over a case in the Pennsylvania court system. It is the highest court of the land and is considered the oldest appellate court in the United States, 100 years older than the United States Supreme Court court itself. Um, and then the next court we'll talk about is the Pennsylvania Superior Court. It's one of the two intermediate appellate courts along with Commonwealth Court. It was established in 1895. It reviews most of the civil or criminal cases that are appealed from the Court of Common Pleas at the county level. And it consists of 15 judges and and the senior judges do not actively sit on the Superior Court, but they remain available to participate on the court. And members of the Superior Court may appeal to the Supreme Court to be considered for a position of a senior judge as well. So we'll learn a whole lot of things. There's a lot of, it's almost like going to law school itself, learning about these various courts. And we also take this opportunity to not only introduce you to the candidates, but maybe even educate you a bit about these, these various offices. So the Commonwealth Court was established in 1968 and primarily deals with governmental matters. When the state gets sued or when someone sued, when the state sues somebody or someone sues the state or something involving the jurisdiction like voting and, and things like that in elections. So we'll also learn about Pennsylvania Commonwealth Court and the two candidates that will be joining us running for that office as well. So without any further ado, we want to introduce our four guests on today's Power Hour Statewide Judicial Forum. We have uh, Judge Maria McLaughlin, who is currently on Pennsylvania Superior Court and is now a candidate for Pennsylvania Supreme Court joining us today. Welcome. We, we also have Judge Tamika Lane from Philadelphia Court of Common Pleas, who is a candidate for Superior Court. And as well, joining us are two candidates for Commonwealth Court. We have Judge Lori Dumas from Philadelphia, as well as Judge David Spurgeon from Allegheny County joining us as well. And, and, and to start, uh, we'll have uh, Judge Maria McLaughlin give us some opening. Thank you. First of all, thank you for this forum. You have no idea how grateful all of us are because we really need to bring attention to these elections. It seems as though when it's a judicial election, people are already looking to the next year with the governor's year, the United States Senate year. But if we look at just this past, who was it? What branch of government saved our democracy? And it was certainly the judiciary. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. So I am just so grateful to have the opportunity, as are all of us, to bring attention to these important elections. So thank you for having us today. And I look forward to getting to know me, getting to know all of us better. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Judge. And I now Judge Tamika Lane from Philadelphia, running for Pennsylvania Superior Court. Hi, am I on mute? No. Okay. Hi. So I just want to echo what Judge McLaughlin said. And thank you so much for having this judicial forum because it is so important. So many times when people are going to the polls, especially about judges statewide, they're not sure who to vote for. So thank you for bringing this awareness to voters so that they can get to know who we are. That way we're not just the name on the ballot. Because of Judge McLaughlin, you've seen the importance of courts. We've seen time and time again when we watch the news, they're always talking about courts, courts, state courts, and in particular, Pennsylvania courts. It's so vital. And I I love to talk about the courts. I'm so glad to be here because we have to make sure that everyone knows what these courts do statewide, because often, especially for the Superior Court, is the last resort for most people in Pennsylvania. And courts matter, judges matter, judicial experience matters. So thank you so very much. Thank you. And our next guest is Lloyd Doom for Commonwealth Court, hailing from Philadelphia. Good afternoon, everyone. I, too, want to say thank you for the opportunity to come and to share information about who we are and why we're running and the importance of the courts and of these elections. I also want to thank the audience for taking the time to 
to listen and to become educated about these judgeships because as my two colleagues have already, courts are so important. The courts really impact our lives much more than I think a lot of people realize. And we should know, you should know who these people are that are running, who's running for your courts locally as well, because our decisions will impact each and every one of our households more so than any decision that will be coming from Washington or any executive. And as I said, I'm happy to be here. The Commonwealth Court is so important to all of us. And I know we'll get a little bit into that where we'll talk, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me. Thanks again, Judge Dumas. And now, last but not least, Caleb from Allegheny County would always represent McKeesport to the fullest. We've got Judge David Spurgeon of Commonwealth. Thank you, Gloria. And of course, I noticed that you were wearing a tiger on your shirt. I thought that was for me from McKeesport Tigers. But I'm Judge David Spurgeon from the Allegheny County Court of Common Pleas, and I'm one of the two candidates for the Commonwealth Court. It's important that you know there are two openings on Commonwealth Court, so you can vote for both Judge Dumas and I for that seat. Just as everybody else said, we're so excited to hear people that are actually talking about this race. And sometimes people don't pay attention to these judicial races and they call them off years, which really frustrates us. There's no such thing as an off year when you have the opportunity to exercise your right to vote. But the courts are so important and they make such a big, it's important for people to realize, for example, in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, there are 203 members that make up that legislative branch in the House of Representatives. In the courts, there are Supreme Court has seven, Superior 15, and the Commonwealth Court nine. That's 31 people. That's all that you have making these appellate decisions for you. So the impact that you have by electing good judges really transcends across the state. So it's important that we elect good, qualified people that are rated well, that are actually judges that have already done the job. They're trying to move on to the next step in order to make our judiciary where it's supposed to be the true check and balance on the other branches. Of Thank you for that. And I'm going to start off with the first question and the miracle will, will follow with the question. And again, in the spirit of making sure that the voters know more about you and your background, I guess starting in reverse order with Judge Spurgeon, could you talk about where you currently serve as a judge and what you're most proud of in, in your tenure on the bench so far? Sure. So I am an Allegheny County Court of Common Pleas judge and in Allegheny County, we are broken in divisions. I currently serve the family division and served in that capacity for the last five years as a judge. I serve in the juvenile section. So I deal with all matters pertaining to fam, but mostly pertaining to kids. And, and I've wanted to stay there for that reason, because I think that there's a lot of inequities that we see, not just in our court system, but in our entire country. And I think that I'm able to try to keep an eye and balance on those things as a judge family division, because those are the most vulnerable people in our population. Are. I'm running for the Commonwealth Court because I think the Commonwealth Court makes such a huge impact. You are not a party to most of the cases, but the result of the decisions of that court impact you, whether it be energy or elections or public utilities or funding for schools, education, all those different aspects may affect you without you being an actual party. And I think it does a lot of things that people don't realize. It, and that's why it interested me to be part of that court. And it also, as I said, serves to be a true check and balance on our government. It makes sure that the government is falling. And that's very, very important. And one of the things I'm most proud of as a judge, my background prior to becoming a judge was to deal with cases involving violence. I've taken that on as a judge as well. And I think my proudest moment was after just a few years serving on the bench, I was named a National Judicial Fellow by the National Council of Juvenile and Family Court Judges for my leadership in the area of domestic violence and trying to curtail that. Thank you. And Judge Dumas, same question. Uh, tell us about where you currently serve uh, on the bench and what you're most 
proud of throughout your judicial career? Currently, I sit in, I'm assigned to our civil division. I have sat in actually every major trial in our courts because I've been on the bench now for almost 20 years. But now I'm assigned to civil court where I'm actually hearing all types of cases involving money damages. So as you can imagine, any type of case that would result in people being able to sue for money damages, that's exactly what I'm doing now, including cases that will go to the Commonwealth Court if they're my significant, I would say my passion work was when I was in our juvenile division, um, our family court, where I spent 15 years. And although all of the work there was very important, as I said, that's my passion work, but it was the my initiation of the only juvenile human trafficking court at that time in the, in the United. I'm so proud to say that Pennsylvania was a leader in developing this kind of court. Philadelphia, but I say Pennsylvania because we all take the credit because Pennsylvania as a whole began to step up and make sure that our young victims of human trafficking and are protected. We had some significant legislation, legislative changes under my watch in the courts and during the time that we were building the court. And I'm very proud of that. And I will say that having the opportunity to go around and to talk talk to and to actually train other judges of how to be change agents in this regard and how to keep our children safe is one of my my prize events and activities, or I would say projects, that I have had the opportunity to, part, to participate in. And family court definitely was where I spent the most time and did the most work and the work that I'm most proud of. Thank you. And same question again. Tell us where you currently serve Judge Lane and what you're most proud of. Thank you. I currently serve in Philadelphia on a quarter common pleas and I am in the trial division and criminal division specifically. And as a major trials judge, I am the only one in the first judicial district in Philadelphia who hears human trafficking cases in my division. But I also do a lot of domestic and family violence cases, sexual assaults, rapes, and things of that nature. It really spans the gamut. I think there are numerous things that I'm most proud of, and I can't just say one. I am really blessed. I used to be a school teacher. I used to teach seventh grade social studies in public school. And I feel as a judge, I have the best of both worlds. I'm still going to high schools. I was co-chair of this program called Advancing Civics Education with the Philadelphia Bar Association, where we go into public high schools and teach civics. But I'm very proud of how I run my courtroom, treating everyone with dignity and respect. I don't care where you're from, who you love, what zip code you are, what were you born here, what language you speak. I don't think any of that matters. And it's so important that when they come in my courtroom, everyone knows that their voice will be heard. And I've been assigned to numerous boards, countless things of that nature. But I think what I'm most proud of is that when you walk in my courtroom, you're treated with dignity and respect. Your voice will be heard and everyone will get a fair treatment. Thank you, Judge Lane. And finally, again, same question for Judge McLaughlin. Tell us about where you currently serve and what you're most proud of as a judge. Well, I have the privilege of representing all of Pennsylvania on our Pennsylvania Superior Court. I was elected in 2017 and humbled to be the top vote getter. And, and I believe that's because I spent time in each and every county, all 67. And I think when you represent the entire state of Pennsylvania, that's really important to spend time and get to know each and every county, our diversity, what's wonderful about every county, but what's important and what's different. And so I think as a judge, Having done that, it really has helped me. It's helped me become a better judge. It's helped me understand when I have cases that come from very rural areas, very different than my own. But because I spent time, I now relate to those cases as well. And so I think that's very important. What I'm most proud of is the fact that the higher you get in the judiciary, it's very easy to distance yourself. 
because a lot of times in my court, they're just names on pieces of paper. Very rare are the cases argued. It's just a small percentage of cases that physically come before us and are argued in either Philadelphia, Harrisburg, and Pittsburgh. The vast majority of cases are submitted on briefs. And so I think what I'm most proud is that I never forget that. I never forget. It's not different if you come before me or if I'm reading your name on a piece of paper. I understand that my decision impacts a life. And I never forget that. And so I think that is what I am most proud of as a judge. I have never, despite whatever level I was at, whether it was the trial bench or whether it was the appellate bench, I never forget that my decision impacts a family, a family, a person, someone's life. And I think if you keep that in perspective, you're always going to be a wonderful judge. Thank you. Turn it over to Verical. Thank you so much for those wonderful answers. We're going to start with you, Judge McLaughlin. What inspired you to run for this current position? And why do you believe you're uniquely qualified for this, for the office that you work? So what inspired me was what has always inspired me, the, the ability and the will to do better. I grew up in a row home in Overbrook to two uneducated parents. And so the fact that I am at the state's highest level running through at the top of the ticket isn't anywhere I ever thought I would be. And so it inspired me because I now have the ability to do better. And so I'm hoping that Pennsylvania agrees. And that's always what inspired me and why I believe I'm uniquely qualified is because my breadth of experience is much different than my opponents. I have experience as a litigator and a prosecutor. Also, I did defense work when I left. I did election law and labor law and criminal law. And also, I've been a trial judge and an appellate judge. And I think all of those experiences together, it's a natural progression to the Supreme Court. I didn't just go from a fancy law firm to the appellate bench. I worked my way. I am relatable to so many Pennsylvanians because I am you. Being a judge and being a superior court judge is my job. It will not be any different if I have the privilege of serving on our superior, our Supreme Court. I will always be Maria McLaughlin, who grew up in that row home, who still has those values, and I bring them with me every day on the bench. Thank you so much for that wonderful answer about your values and leading you to the bench. The same question for you, Judge Dumas. So just like Judge McLaughlin, we we both grew up in the city. As a matter of fact, none of the beauty about this slate is that we all have some similarities in our backgrounds. None of us were born with silver spoons in our mouths. And for me, it is an opportunity to continue the service that I have been providing to the courts for almost 20 years. I grew up on, I started with my own law firm. Well, I won't say office. It wasn't a firm. It was a law office because it was just me doing all kinds of legal work for the community that I came from because I believe that it was my responsibility to give back to the place that I had an opportunity to get out of. And so I did that for a while and then was able to gain valuable experience and network with lots of attorneys who helped me to grow and to develop as an attorney until I was ready for the bench. And on the bench for almost 20 years, I, that's where I grew up. And to me, this is just a national progression of service. And it's important because with no people of color on that bench right now and the decisions that come out of that court, which really impact issues that are significant to all Pennsylvanians. But there are some that are very, are very impactful to communities of color. And not having that perspective on that court, to me, is it needs to be changed. We need diversity on that court. We also need to let 
you know, our young, our young girls and our young boys of color know that this is yet another place that you can go, that you can aspire to go because there's someone there that looks like. Thank you so much. And I apologize. I believe Judge Lynn, you were next. I do apologize for changing the order, but if you could answer the same question. No apologies needed, Miracles. I would have to concur. I think Judge is exactly right. This slate of four judges, we have so much in common in that we were born to humble beginnings. And what inspired me, I think there are numerous things. My grandmother always had a saying, and I think you guys may know, that she always would say, it's not about you, honey. And it was really, how can you be of service to others? And I thought that was an invaluable lesson to learn as a kid. And me running for superior court, me even running for court of common pleas, it has never been about me. It is about me being of service to others. I used to be a public school teacher before I was even an attorney. And when I got on, well, before, even before I became a judge, I was a public defender. I was a child advocate. So I really was in a community representing people who couldn't afford representation or who really needed help in their circumstances like abuse and neglect. And when I got on a court of common pleas, I had actually stepped out on faith. I had left my job. I sold my car because I couldn't forget some of the things that I saw when I was representing people who couldn't afford an attorney, when I represented people who lived in a certain zip code, when I represented people who some looked down on because of who they loved or where they were from or what language they spoke. And when I got on a court of common plea and I got to see so many times in our courts, they used the Superior Court for case law. Yes, they used the Supreme Court, but the Superior Court cases are cited so often. And it's also, Judge Dumas talked about just the lack of diversity on the appellate bench. Out of 31 uh, appellate judges, only one is a person of And it matters because the Superior Court is often the final stop for most people in Pennsylvania dealing with criminal matters, civil matters, family matters, anything dealing with children and wills in the state. And it's so important that Pennsylvania is represented on this court. And it is a natural progression as a trial attorney, a trial judge to the Superior Court, which I said is often the final stop. And who best can do that than someone who has that experience? And I am uniquely qualified in that sense. My mother is now a retired police detective. My grandmother works in a cafeteria. So I come from strong, humble roots where we worked hard for everything we had in life. And that's what I bring. No matter where I go, I am always working hard, making sure that justice is served for all of us. So thank you so much. Thank you. And Judge So to echo everybody else at this point, I think that our true public servants and we are servant leaders, meaning that we believe that this is something that we should be doing, not just sitting on a bench and being done. We're trying to move on to the next level. I personally know that I'm doing that. I grew up with the montage that, you know, that which much is given, much is expected. And that's something that has always been in my mind as I was doing things. But running for the Commonwealth Court is the next logical step to make a bigger. I serve on with 43, 42 judges. There's 43 of us total of Allegheny County Court of Common Police. And I'm the only person that actually lives in the Mont Valley that's on the bench. And I have seen time and time again, that perspective not represented. You don't have a seat at the table. That means you're usually on the menu. And that's something that I've brought to the Court of Common Pleas, that perspective. And I can think of scenarios where judges have said things. And I said, you just don't understand because you didn't grow up in the same neighborhoods that I grew up in. And you're making decisions based on a life of privilege. And you do not serve people that have a life of privilege for a majority of the people that we serve. So I think it's important that we have different perspectives on that bench. The Commonwealth Court deals with all labor issues. If I would be elected, I spent 11 years as a United Steelworker. And I think that we need to bring people that understand what it's like to negotiate a contract, understand what it's like to work 
based on a con, but it brings a unique perspective. And in terms of qualifications, I believe that I would bring a unique perspective and I would also bring qualifications. Pennsylvania Bar Association has rated me as the only candidate that is highly recommended for the Commonwealth Court. And I'm proud of that, not just because I did a lot of work, but I'm proud of that because of my very humble beginnings. And growing up in McKeesport, my parents never once imagined that I would be a lawyer or a judge or a law professor, or now somebody that's running for the Pennsylvania Commonwealth Court at the appellate level who received the top designation. And I think that that's something that we need to put people on the bench that have gone through different struggles and understand what it's like not to just grow up in a life of privilege or the background without service. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think for just to switch up the order just a little bit, we'll go Judge, Judge Lane, Judge Spurgeon, Judge McLaughlin for the next round, and then we'll figure it out as we get ready to close. So my next question was like, can can each of you point to an, an example of, of why these courts are, are so important? And I think when we opened up, Judge McLaughlin talked about in a broader set the role the judiciary played over the last year and, and as the, the 2020 election was handled, how it was sussed out and how allegations were made. Obviously, many very important decisions were made even here in the state of Pennsylvania, but also in state courts all over the country. And it doesn't have to be in Pennsylvania, but can you speak to like certain examples of, of why appellate courts are so important that could really connect to folks' everyday lives, because as we talked about it, preparing for this, but there's so many people when they walk into the, the voting booth this November and they see Commonwealth Court, Superior Court, like it just turns into word salad and they're just like, okay, I'll check a name here, I'll check a name here, whatever, the tic-tac-toe. But to really get them to really understand what those words mean, could you give some examples from, from your legal background as an observer, why these appellate courts are so important? We'll, yeah, like I said, we'll start with Judge Dumas, Judge Lane, Judge Virgin, then Judge McLaughlin. Sure. So as it relates to the Commonwealth Court, as I said, this court is so important to all of our households. Day-to-day -day issues that arise really uh, are resolved through the Commonwealth Court lots of times. I would say, I think one of the most types of cases and decisions that have come out of the Commonwealth Court have been those cases that involve the funding of our schools. Because as we all know, our children's minds and their education is and unless they have the right types of school environments and curriculums and, and the funding to make sure that their case, that their schools are able to give them the resources that they need to grow and to develop, we're, our society is in, is in trouble. I don't know anyone, even if children, even if people don't have children, they don't really value the fact that our children need to be educated. And so those fair funding cases, as it relates to our, our schools, our case, those types of definitely go to this court, our election cases. And I'm going to leave some for Judge Spurgeon because if I tell all of them that he won't have anything to talk about, but our election cases go to the Commonwealth Court. And however you vote, wherever you fall in your partisanship as it relates to, to you know, those decisions, and when they're, they go there, those are the, this is the court that hears those cases, however they fall. And so it is very important to make sure that the people that are on these courts are people that you trust, uh, are people that you have faith in, not just in their ability, but in, because it's our ability, it's, it's our experience, but it's also what is internal in us at our core that will motivate our decisions on these very important issues. Voter, I'm sorry, workers' rights. Those cases, those appeals go there too. Judge Spurgeon talked about labor cases. Anything regulated in Pennsylvania goes through, potentially goes through the Commonwealth Court. So if you just think about anything in your household, anything in your life, 
that is regulated by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Those court, those are the cases that go through this court. And it's our, our job as judges on that court to make sure that the government does not overpower the of the people. Thank you. Judge Lane. Thank you. And you said what a, kind of cases come through the Superior Court and how does that impact people's lives? Was that the- Examples of, of cases that you really think exemplify why, so stuff that you could point to and say, see, this is why this court is so important to your daily life. Okay. Thank you. So the Superior deals with so many different facets of your life. If you were a victim of a crime or accused of a crime, if you were to the hospital and had a medical procedure, maybe something went wrong. What about grandparents? Remember how we saw on the news grandparents fighting for grandparents, right? All that comes through family court. If you have child custody issues, maybe a child was delinquent, meaning that they committed a crime or truancy issues, or maybe they were dependent where their parents weren't able to care for that child or those children. Someone passed away and left in the state. All these things really impact people's lives and you don't think about it until maybe it happens to you or someone close to you. And I think that everyone who is listening to this form can relate. They're like, oh my God, that was me or that was my best friend or that was my cousin because this court has really touched so many different facets of, of everyone's lives. And you just don't always think about it. But it's so important because most cases will stop. Over 90% of the cases will stop in Superior Court. They won't reach the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is the final stop, obviously, in Pennsylvania, but they are selective in the cases that they hear. And, it's, and it will stop either with the Commonwealth Court or the Superior Court. So it's so important, like Judge Dumas said, that we have experience on these courts. So thank you. Thank you, Judge Berger. To echo everybody, it's every case coming out of the Commonwealth Court makes an impact on as you're, even though you're not a party. So whether or not you have a mill that may live next to you, I'm from the Mon Valley. It has one of the worst air qualities in the state. And they make decisions about air quality. They make decisions about education and funding. And so many times it comes down to money and people sue the court, sue the government based on the way tax dollars are allocated. And so deals with issues with that are really pivotal upon everybody. And the other aspect that so people, I, I think of many cases, they just Commonwealth Court just decided a case about women's reproductive rights, which we hear people talking about the case in Texas, but we don't hear people talking about that case in Pennsylvania. They've decided cases. They have two cases now, one involving whether or not you can wear masks. You have to wear masks under Governor Wolf's mandate. And another one, whether or not the early balloting is permissible in Pennsylvania. So it's still every aspect of our lives. And I think that people need to realize that these seats that we're running for, we're trying to make an impact. But if we don't elect qualified people, it can be very detrimental. So, for example, most of these people that are, are running for a term, and that term is 10 years. That's a term for someone to, have to be elected. And once you're elected judge, typically you stay there, not just 10 years, but for decades. So in order to put good people on the bench and make sure that they're not having making bad decisions, you need to elect qualified people because they're going to be there for 10, 20 30 years on the bench making decisions that impact you every single day. My own state senator, a state senator when the Commonwealth Court ruled that not all the votes could count for my own senatorial district. And I think that was one of the reasons that I chose for that is because I saw what the court did and the impact that it made and which directly affected me. And I think that's something that people, until it directly affects you, you don't get as motivated. But I promise you, all these cases directly affect you. And Judge Spurgeon gave me the perfect segue because the Supreme Court is the final arbiter of all of the cases in Pennsylvania. Voting, we saw the importance of voting rights. And as Judge Spurgeon said, Senator Brewster would not be the senator if it wasn't for the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania with the rulings that they did. They overruled the Commonwealth Court's decision. The Commonwealth Court's decision that wanted to throw out, or that did throw out people's votes 
disenfranchise who wanted to vote. And so that would have made the difference between who was in the Senate. And so it's the Supreme Court that does have the final say. So there is no more important court that we can rely on for these voting voting rights. We saw just last year how important they were nationally, not just in Pennsylvania. So I think an important example is just that locally in, in Pittsburgh and Westmoreland, just your Senate seat. Look at the difference it would have made to have one less senator. So in your area, that one. All right. Thank you all very much for those answers. I'm going to, we'll switch it up. We'll go, I believe, Judge Lane, because you haven't gone first yet. Judge Lane, Judge McLaughlin, Judge Spurs, and then Judge Dumont. We talked a lot a bit about how people do not really know these courts are, what's going on with the courts. How do we make courts more accessible for individuals? We know that there is still an issue of literacy in Pennsylvania, so some people may not be able to read all the decisions that are made. We know that there is sometimes a lack of interest or even trauma. So people may not just want to come and even sit for jury duty. So we make courts more accessible. All right. Thank you. That's a good question. And first and foremost, courts are open to the public. So you are always welcome to come. Obviously, it, it varies right now because of COVID in the judicial districts and how they handle. But also, I think it's important to educate people about the judicial branch. That's why I love civics. That's why I was co-chair of events in civics education with the Philadelphia Bar Association, in which judges and lawyers, we go into public schools and actually teach. Because we know more now than ever that young people want to be change agents. They want their voices heard and they just don't always know how to do it. And that's one of the reasons why I love this program. But also you talked about opinions, like the way I write my opinions after I make a rule is that I do it so that the layperson can understand. When I worked in the Senate, I used to translate the, the legislation. That's how I said it. I would put it so that everyone knew what it said. Because sometimes you would read these thick laws, that these bills, and you're like, what are they talking about? And I would actually put it in on bullet points and I would put it on church fans so that people can understand. Because you know in church you get hot and you want to fan yourself. And that's a good way to learn about what was going on in Harris. And I think we can do similar things that are creative, but I also think that we do need to have a more trauma-informed approach with the courts because a lot of people are coming through the courts impacted by trauma. So I think that there are numerous things that we can do, but I think programs such as yours and what you do in a community is that you bring awareness to the courts and the different branches as to what you talk from everything from the top of the course, the Supreme Court, to the lower courts, like Court of Common Pleas and things of that nature. And it's programs and your work that will also help to educate everybody. Yes, I think that the way to make courts more accessible to community members is to lead by example, which is what I've always been proud to do. Just because we are judged, it does limit us in what we can do with respect to politics, but we're still elected public servants. And I feel owe a duty to the community. And so when I represent the entire state of Pennsylvania, my duty is to our entire state. So I am always out in the community in various counties, teaching courses, lecturing, not just to lawyers, although I do that, but to community members. We have a group of female judges. We go into female prisons before the prisoners are ready to be released so that they don't go back into jail, that we teach interviewing skills, bring jewelry and clothing and show them this is who we are as judges. We're people. And we do care about the community and making access to the court, not having people be afraid of the court. 
and to let people know that there is good that comes from court decisions and that judges are valued members of the community. We don't just sit up there with our black robes and forget that we're people. And I think if you put yourself out in the, the courts become more accessible because you're more accessible. And so I think that's really the answer. And it's what I've always done as a judge. And what I will continue to strive to do is if I have the privilege of serving on our state's highest court. Thank you. Thank you so much for the answer. And Judge Spurgeon. Yeah, I think that people realize that there seems to be a separation with the judicial branch. We're not somebody that can tell you what we stand for. We're not somebody that's out campaigning very often. Because as I said, these terms are 10 years. And once you're elected, you never run again. You just keep. So I think that you... Sometimes, unless you make an intentional effort, you're not actually engaging with your community. So I always continue to engage with my community. But I think one of the benefits of COVID, and I'm going to be a half fool here at this point, but I think one of the benefits of COVID is we saw we were able to use some advanced communication technologies to give more people access to the courts without actually having to come into a courtroom. And coming from where I come from, which then has serious public transportation issues, I've actually had more participation of families in cases that I would have had prior to COVID. And I think that we need to focus on that to make things more accessible because I really, it's not sometimes the parent doesn't want to attend a proceeding. Sometimes it's a parent either has to decide on whether they're going to go to work that day and be able to feed their family, or they're going to have an entire day up and go spend that day sitting downtown to wait for a case to be called. So I think in order to be accessible, I think we have to start thinking outside of the box. And I hope that COVID did that as one of the aspects of it, that we're going to start saying, okay, how can we make the courts more accessible to people that are not as flexible in their time schedules, that have transportation issues, that live far away from the court. So I would like to think that those are some of the efforts that we're going to be making. And I'm proud to be somebody that's tried to spearhead that. And I hope to do that on a much grander level. Thank you. Yeah. So of course, everybody said everything that I wanted to say, but Judge Spurgeon really hit it on the head for me as I was thinking about how I was going to respond in that it's thinking outside of the box. And you've got to have jurors, I'm sorry, jurors that can do that and are willing to do that. Our legal system has changed tremendously in just really almost two short years of the way we do things, the way we think about justice, the way we think about access to justice. If COVID did anything for us, it really has forced us to think about the things that we didn't do and the things that we and the things that may have worked. We have an obligation as judges to ensure that the people that come into our courthouses who are traumatized, just having to go to court for anything. Our courts, well, they're scary. They don't understand. When I, when I was in family court, everything, they talked in a whole different language. Everything was an acronym. And so imagine having a parent standing in front of you with her child and everybody in the courtroom is speaking a language that, that he or she doesn't understand. And they're there. They have no idea what's going on. And so it is our obligation to make sure that first and foremost, we're, we make things comfortable and as less traumatic as possible by creating uh, trauma-responsive courts and trauma-informed courts. And that's from the sheriff who opens, who opens the door to the janitor because we have an obligation to make our citizens feel safe and secure in a place that they're coming to get issues resolved. And then also being out in the community, like everybody said, for us, and I know these judges, I know the judges from Philadelphia and I've gotten to know Judge Spurgeon. We are not those types of judges that just sit on the bench and say guilty or not. We are those judges who are out in the community and people do need to see us. They need to touch us. They need to understand understand that we are people, we are them. And our job is in the courthouse is just to make sure that justice is served. But outside of that, we want people to feel comfortable by getting to know us 
getting to know that, listen, we have the same issues that everybody else does. Some of us are parents. Some of us are taking care of our elderly parents or grandparents. Some of us have pets. Some of us don't. We have the same issues that everybody else in the community has. And although there is there is deference to the court, and I understand that that's necessary, there's a formality there. But also outside of that formality is also knowing that, listen, behind that robe is a person and I can trust that person to do what's right every single day. Thank you so much. Yeah. In our final moments, I'm going to, this is the way the sequence when I'm going to steal Miracle's question. But as customary, as when we do our power hours, we always, I do want to make one observation that was going to make it to a question. I'm just going to make it as an observation. But one thing I do want to say is, is this fantastic, a full statewide ticket? It seems like y'all are having a lot of fun. I've been observing from social media and, and I do want to say like many times there's been statewide tickets and I, I've seen a few, maybe not as many as, as my premature gray hair would suggest, but I have seen a, a few statewide tickets and of all the ones I've seen, this group seems to be having the most fun together, the most unified and seems like you generally, genuinely really like each other. But being that we are short on time, I am going to fast forward to what we call the miracle question of the evening. And and that question is, what brings you joy? And you can even make it to like, what has brought you on the on this campaign trail? But but we do want to close out always with a positive note. So I guess we'll start with is the way my configuration is. We'll go Judge Dumas, Judge Lane, Judge Spurgeon, close out with Judge McLaughlin. What brings, what's bringing you joy right now? So uh, Howard, first thing I thought of was Anita Baker. But I that my that that the judges here know what I'm going to say. What brings me joy is my why, which are my kids. And although I have two adults and one high school student, I don't have babies anymore. They are my why. And they bring me the most. And I'm just blessed to be able to say I'm their mom. Thank you for that. That's a great answer. Oh, well, I'll do mom and Anita Eager. But no, I, I think that it's hard to narrow down just one. But obviously, I'm a single mom and my daughter means the world to me. And so does my mom. And they bring me joy. My daughter is currently a, a junior at Howard University. But I, I think health always brings me joy. I'm a cancer survivor, so I'm just grateful to be in and be able to pursue my passion and be of service to us. Thank you, Judge First. Yeah, and I'll, again, echo everybody in family and obviously the things that bring most people joy. One of the things that I, I had to decide on whether or not I would do this cycle was whether or not I would continue to teach at the law school. I taught the law school for probably the last eight years. And I kept thinking, I'm trying to balance working full-time and campaigning what seems to be full-time and now as well as teaching. And should I continue to end? When I was trying to make that decision, I thought to myself, you know what? That's what really gives you joy is because you're shaping the minds of future lawyers and you're making an impact, not just every day, but you're making an impact for generations. So that's what gives me joy. And I chose to do it, even though it is a struggle to try to teach as well. But I think that trying to shape the minds of people that may be making future decisions as judges and lawyers are as the real thing that gives me the most joy. Thank you, Judge I am blessed to have much joy in my life. I have a loving husband. I have wonderful children and grandchildren. But the joy that I want this year for me, but our entire slate is victory. That will bring me joy this year. Let's pray that it's victory for all four of us on this screen today. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And again, I just wanted to re reiterate that the observation that I made, just like there's so many social media posts. Like if the folks that are viewing this evening, if you're not following Judge Dumas, Judge Lane, Judge Spurgeon, Judge McLaughlin, like you're missing out on just a whole, to me, that's like a whole like Netflix TV show right there. <laughs> Crawford County, live calling, 
the Poconos, Lee Valley, Erie, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, y'all are doing one heck of a road show across the state, and it's very impressive. But what's even more impressive is how unified you are. When one is in the room, all four are in the room. And, and that's something that's very unique and unusual to campaigns. Is we all know it's a lot easier for everyone to be out for themselves, but it seems like you are really in it for all four. And, and that's inspirational. And, and so I'm going to pass it over to Miracle for any final thoughts. I think it's also to be noted that when we'll talk about the legal field. I believe the last statistics are around like only 2% of lawyers are African-American women and less than 30% are like women in general. And so to have this very diverse slate is also very important and indicative of how the legal community is expanding and including people traditionally been left out and disregarded and how people should feel motivated to get involved in a black time. He brought another election season, another thing to vote for. But I think it's very important, as we said earlier, that the law really impacts every aspect of our lives from what street we can drive once to we marry, to where we pay taxes, to where we live, to even if we can get a divorce if we want to. And it's very important that people understand how the legal field, the judicial races on the path that lies. So thank you all for spending your time with us. And I wish you all the best on your future outreach. And thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us, Judge Maria McLaughlin for Superior Court, Judge Tamika Lane for Superior Court, Judge David Spurgeon for Commonwealth Court, and Judge Lori Dumas for Commonwealth Court for joining us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Looking forward to seeing you over these next two months and best of luck. Take care. And those were our candidates for our first statewide judicial forum, which is the first in the series of fall candidate forums. I thought it was a very enlightening conversation. I very much enjoyed it again. I want to thank Judge Maria McLaughlin for Supreme Court, as well as Judge Tamika Lane for Commonwealth Court, as well as Judge Lloyd Dumas for Commonwealth Court and Judge David Spurgeon for Commonwealth Court for joining us today. Yes, and just as a reminder, you have until October 18th to register to vote, October 26th to their mail-in deadline because the election is on November 2nd. If you have questions about what's going on with the election, don't worry. We have you covered. We have our own app for you to plug your address in and figure out what's going on in your ballot. So if you head on over to onehoodpower.org, click on our resources tab, and we will have our app there for you to figure out what's going on in your ballot. As a reminder, we have more of these forms coming up, and they will be different. The limitation, you could not ask judicial candidates about you know, political questions or how they would vote on specific issues. So that's why this form was a little different. We look forward to you sticking with us and to asking more questions of our candidates. And we will see you next Monday at 7 p.m. Yeah, absolutely. Remember, next Monday will be our school board candidate for. We'll have candidates for Pittsburgh School Board. That will be Monday, September 12th. So again, thank you for joining us for our judicial forum for our statewide candidates tonight. And again, join us next Monday, September 20th for our school board candidates forum. <laughs>